This week's episode of Aussie Tech Ads is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco and keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. startnewcompany.com.au. Also brought to you by aghwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal, and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, aghwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 700 of the Aussie Tech Edge. Woo! Recorded on the 29th of October, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Oakland. This is my co-host, Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. How goes it? Pretty good. How's yourself? Uh, feeling 700 episodes old. 700 <laughs> flipping episodes. Woo! Right. Who would have thought? everybody's here. Hi, hi. Well, two most important people here anyway. And that's uh well Glenn, actually Glenn couldn't oh Glenn's here. Hang on. Hello, my <laughs> name's Glenn. How's everybody going? Welcome to the Aussie Tech Eggs. Can probably add it just as well too. The show is brought to you by Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Our four most important people here, we got uh Raiders, we got Brett, we got Dutchy and we got old school. So you know, what more do you need? Hey <laughs> Big Party. Yes, well, we had yeah, plans and uh good. Come on. Apparently everything fell through and nobody <laughs> nobody uh, bothered to respond. So there you go. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's all fun and games. Um, it's been. I bet you the people in Melbourne are cheering this week. They can finally step out front without being shot by the Nazi. I mean, arrested Hooray! by the police. I mean, gobbed in by their neighbour. <laughs> Everybody out for what is it? Beers and donuts. Pretty much. This is a line up out the door for some of those places. That was funny. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so that's all happening. So you're you're getting famous on Twitter. Yes. Yep. Um, Vinny has tweeted out that I um, have been making my Commodore 64 games pretty much ready for release. Just going to add a couple more little features that I I worked on one the other day that he wants to. Um, have it so that you can select on the title screen whether you want to have just sound effects or if you want music and sound effects. So um, I've added that in, and uh, he also wants you to be able to pause, so I've got to work on that over the weekend, and it'll be ready to release. But you can see it's a uh, port of an old Game & Watch game called Oil Panic. 
but this one is Toxic Frenzy. There's no copyright on Toxic Frenzy, I hope. <laughs> not, no, not that anyone's told you anyway. And, and not catching black oil, you're catching black toxic liquid, right? That's it. Everybody it says, believes. It says believes so on the that, pipe. <laughs> right? Yeah, it says toxic on there. And uh, whereas before it used to say gas on top of the building, it's now got 364. So uh, Vinny's written a whole little story to go along with it. You have to save the um, 364 headquarters before the toxic waste infects everything and kills everybody and stuff. So we're going to add that in. A little story in with the uh, game when we release it but that's going to be an exclusive release through pre-64 magazine um but he's going to have a uh, feature article on it for christmas so if you subscribe to free 64 magazine at free 64.com you'll get access to a free game download and uh he's been quite addicted to it he, i think he said he's got up to about 40 42 or 52 points this week so he's very <laughs> proud of himself <laughs> And um, yeah, just a lot of fun and um, supporting Free 64 magazine. And then um, I've also been writing a bit of a diary down as uh, I've been making it with some screenshots. So Vinny's going to probably put that across two or three um, magazine articles uh, in different issues. So that'll be fun to do. And you'll probably also see a little feature it on me in the next article, the next magazine to come up in the uh, my 64 heaven section so a lot of fun there yeah i um i played it um and failed miserably because apparently the emulator i downloaded doesn't understand keystrokes um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was a major User fail device is a good one um uh, I even played it on my um, little retro device that I got there, the RG350. I put the device emulator on there and I can play. It's just like now I've gone back to a game and watch because I'm playing it on a portable device. It's the same type of game as that one. So it's quite funny how it's almost come full circle. Yeah, let's uh, see if I can make this a thing that's going to happen. I'm not sure if it's... There we go. <laughs> You can see through it. <laughs> you can because it's green, but um, yeah, no, it's it it. I can't play it because these key the key bindings don't work properly. But yeah, I know the idea you're supposed to collect the stuff and then dump it to the guy who's supposed to catch it. But unfortunately, the guy's never anywhere near where the oil needs to be. And but yeah, drop anyway. it on someone's head. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So. so, according to my diary, I started programming on September 22. So, September to October. It's like just a month or so. Um, yeah. That's not too bad since I never programmed a Commodore 64 game before, but got to say thanks to old school Cody because he helped me a lot with the raster bar splits on the title screen. Also, the little scrolly message that goes along the bottom because I was having some problem with that. And uh, he also uh, helped me stop the flickering. If you touch the keyboard on the title screen, it would muck all the eardrops up. So we got rid of all that sorted out. But yeah, if you if you um, want to help him out, go to uh, patreon.com slash oldschoolcoder, spelled with a K and not CH for school. And uh, I'm one of, I subscribe as a Patreon to his account, and he teaches Commodore 64 programming, but he also has tutorials on uh, Pi games and Python programming and uh, he does some VIC-20 stuff and a bit of everything so 
Yeah, it's got uh, tutorials all over YouTube, so you can check those out as well. But yeah, John's really good. And uh, anytime you need some help here, Patreon, he's willing to help you out. And he just knows so much because he's been programming Vic 20 and Commodore 64 since I think it was about 1925 or something, wasn't it, John? <laughs> <laughs> it was programmed the. Uh... Since he was about 14 or 15 or something, he started writing. He wrote uh, a Frogger clone for school for an assignment and everyone got to play the game because you weren't allowed to have games on the school computers but he wrote one so then therefore the teacher said well it was written by one of our students here as a project so therefore you're allowed to use it and then he also wrote an extended basic for Commodore 64 and I'm like well I did a little scrolly message in assembly on my Z80 computer and a couple little crappy demos for Commodore 64 but that was it but yeah he oh he also did pet at school there you go he started when he was 14, so... Well, I had a pet at school, I mean... Yeah, it was a pet rock, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had long hair, so I mean, that's all that counts, right? Yeah, I started with um, micro bees we had at school. <clears throat> People in the UK might not have even heard of a micro bee because it's Australian Z80 computer. And uh, we had, I think it was probably eight to ten micro bees and one Apple IIe. And I uh, went in there and watched everyone and learned how to program basic on the micro B. And then that was in year seven and then year eight classes would officially start. You couldn't do computer studies in year seven. So year eight, everybody had to share a micro B because there wasn't enough to go around. But uh, I got the Apple IIe all to myself because I understood Apple basic. So when the teacher was like, okay, in basic, you have to do this and write on the board. I just had to think, how does this go in Apple? Because instead of having plot from here to there, they had H plot and V plot and stuff. So I got the computer all to myself. I didn't have to share. So it's like, score me. Yeah. <laughs> There's a pet. They yeah. also got mini pets coming out now, which is like just a little board. And uh, you can buy a keyboard thing to go with it. And then you plug it into a monitor and you've got basically a pet. A few people have been tweeting about that kind of thing. Guy it's not surprising. I mean, it. there's so many one-chip boards now that if, you also, can do if you just get the Mister FPGA, you can run just about any computer on that. Yeah, and, you know, it's or a Pi. <clears throat> I was actually there. Was, I was watching a thing on YouTube about um, the Speak and Spell, the original one that came out, and yep. then one that one that's out now. Like they look the oh. same on the outside, but you look on the inside. The original one was entirely analog circuit boards. Now it's just this little chip like this that sits in the middle of the thing. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, the device does exactly the same thing, but it does it with about three components instead of, you know, half a kilo's <laughs> worth of copper. John says he's going to get a mini pet. You could probably um, Google search up an image of one of those. You know what's going to happen if I type in mini project. pet into Google? Yeah. <laughs> Do minus. Turn, turn on Google safe search first. <laughs> Oh, he's going to have to do some, uh, use real 6502 and he's going to have to do some soldering. So I've yeah, seen some people doing it with the light up keyboard and stuff, those sorts of things. The, the, um, the make your own stuff's becoming relatively popular now, actually. Um, there you go. Yep. There it so is. That's what you get and you, um, can add on extra stuff and make a case for it or probably 3D print one even and stuff like that. So yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. There's all sorts of stuff. There's you can amplifiers and. A lot of the do it, build it yourself. It's so cheap. Like I did a uh, oscilloscope, and you know, you get all the components, you populate the boards, you solder them on. 
it's a it's a great way to learn how to solder. It's a great way to learn how to read schematics, and at the end of it, you get something usable out of it. It's it's a really good educational. More schools need to actually get into this. If you're going to do these, don't get a solder gun where you no. pull the trigger and the solder comes out. Cause you might as well just they're useless. In the bin. Yeah, get a proper soldering iron. But the solder sucker or the braid. So, well, a solder station you want really because then with the solder station you've got an adjustable temperature. And um, you can also park it away when you're not trying to burn the edge of the table. <laughs> that's it. You've got somewhere to put the iron. You've got an adjustable temperature. And most of the, what they call the reflow stations have a hot air gun that comes with it as well. So when you need to do shrink wrap or you need to do, like you've got a really big bit of copper that you can't heat, you can heat it up with the, the thing. So yeah, the, re, the rework stations. you have those little helpers that have the alligator clips and you can yep. clip on the board while you work on it and stuff. Too. Helping hands. And I they, definitely have wanted to need those yeah. so much over the years and I never got them. And I'm like, you go to solder and you're like, okay, i got to hold this wire and that wire. Where's the gun uh, soldering line? I uh, <laughs> want a wire in my mouth. Yeah. Ah, shit, I burnt my tongue. So, no, solder, so helping hands are good because they've got a, some of them, like you have like magnifying glasses and stuff on as well. So if you're working on really yep. small components. Um, he's just got one of those on his table with all his other crap that he's always got there. Well, my soldering station's just there, but I can't reach it for me. Ah, uh, <laughs> so you didn't come prepared this week. Actually, is it there? It better be there. I hope it's there. If it's not there, I don't know where it is. <laughs> but yeah, I got I, on, on eBay, I got a, a rework station for, I think it was $45, and it had a, a, a soldering iron with like five tips, like four replaceable heads, like actual irons. Um and yeah the the reflow station um gun and that thing's copped a flogging and it just keeps working and it, you know for that price you, you there's no point not getting one you know for how versatile they are and how much stuff you can do with them. Somebody should tell Simon he should be watching this episode because he did we got him distracted a couple of weeks ago onto soldering and he talked for like a solid hour about all the different soldering, how much he loves soldering and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And they'll be like, aren't you supposed to be programming a game or something? It's like, yeah, but I really like talking soldering. So every week now when he gets stuck into his game programming videos and he's actually getting some programming done, I'm like, quick, Simon's getting actual programming done. Somebody talk about solder or something and get him off track. I'll tell you what's really cool. If you ever get a chance to watch um, Big Clive on YouTube, yep. he has the most fascinating soldering technique. The way that he holds his solder and still... He, he holds it like between his fingers and feeds it out through here and he can hold the components and like feed the... It's awesome to watch. It's like cool. it's I mean, he does it for a living, you know, but his, his ability to just hold the most awkward position and stuff and still get the solder on it's just fascinating to watch <laughs> <laughs> i love watching him no so. blobs or dry joints there no no he's great speaking of dry joints i better go get some beer <laughs> how can people give us some money mr t people give us money don't be silly not in this and economy they, <laughs> they won't do it in this economy um so yeah so you got a few options the most the most um common one obviously is is patreon um, but you so you can do patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Uh, we have our uh, dot com, which is ko or coffee ko dash fi dot com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Um, you can also organize to do it through PayPal that way if you choose. Um, it just helps us out, lets us buy a coffee. Probably would. I don't know. Can you buy a coffee for four bucks? I'm not sure. 
Maybe you get a baby Jimmy. Get one of those, get one of those seven eleven two dollar coffees. <laughs> <laughs> and who are these people up here? So, I don't know. The screen's gone past now. I have to wait till it comes back in. But um, <laughs> so we've got our Patreon supporters. We've got Kate. We've got Bouncing Yellow Skull. We have um, Daniel and Amanda. We have David Bird, and we have Chris. Um, so they're our they're our unlucky patrons who pay us money every week to do absolutely nothing. It's fantastic. No, really, we we, about solder. we appreciate it a lot. It really really helps out. Um, there's several tiers there you can choose from. Um, it just makes a big difference. Helps us, you know, with streaming software and and various other things that we need to do throughout the year. Um, and uh, of course, we need also um. As I said you can go through Kofi, which is more of a, a donation style thing. It's still reoccurring, but it's not like a fixed tier structure like Patreon. You can just choose like a dollar or or whatever. You know, or five hundred dollars, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, go on. Get you know, go on. Just I don't care whose credit card you use. It doesn't worry me in the slightest. <laughs> There's plenty of them all over the internet. You can that's, point yeah, them. Yeah, just search duck web space. <laughs> just keep trying, and one of them will eventually work. I'm sure. <laughs> um. And yeah, we can also do um, can also do PayPal donations um, as well. You just see that if you want to do it that way, just let us know, and we'll we'll let you know what that is. But um, it reminds me of Futurama with Bender, and he's like, "What are you talking about? I care about people. I donated blood the other day. <laughs> like, who's blood? He's like, I don't know, some guys." <laughs> oh dear. Chromo's here. How you doing, Chromo? Yeah, I saw that. It's all everywhere. He's down in Sydney, I think. It's all happening. Um, and we do have uh, one We do have one PayPal subscriber, and that's Andrew G, the G Meister. G word. Word. Bird, 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 and bird is the word. Is that bird, bird. Anyway, everybody is giving us money for something. Should we do some noose? I suppose as we've been paid for it, we probably should do that. We got a lot of stories about NBN Co, but uh, they've set a low bar for fiber to the node users to qualify for last mile full fiber upgrade, while also revealing the anticipated full cost <coughs> per premises of an upgraded line. The company provided significant clarity around the $2.9 billion upgrade to half the FTTN footprint that unveiled with its latest corporate plan last month. Unlike in its enterprise business where free fiber upgrades are conditional on usage, and other contractual commitments, NBN Co indicated it would set a much lower bar to qualify residential users for the so-called on-demand fiber upgrade scheme. To be clear, there's been some misunderstanding I saw in the media that we're expecting everybody to buy gigabit services. We're not, Bruce said. We're expecting everybody to buy higher speed services than they currently have. Chief Customer Officer Brad Whitcomb said an order for single speed tier above the current plan could qualify a residential customer. The customer would need to order a speed that they could not achieve on their existing technology, so that's the basic premise of this. If someone was on fiber to the node, rated at 60 megabits per second, and they're on an NBN 50 plan, but would prefer to be on NBN 100, then they would be a candidate for an on-demand model because we couldn't deliver the service that they wished on the current network. NBN Co. also suggested that in cases where fiber to the node chronically underperforms and other remediations fail, our residents may be able to qualify for an upgrade in order to hit 50 megabits per second speeds. If the copper just isn't significant, oh, just isn't sufficient, but we know they've got good in-home wiring, then they could become a candidate subject to whether we have built enough fiber into that area or not. 
Wickham suggested that NBN Co would not set a minimum contract length or period of time to stay on a higher plan to qualify for a five upgrade. He said that retailers would have the power to set such terms, but that they wouldn't be NBN Co's decision or NBN driven. However, he did note the NBN Co's thinking is if someone's currently on a service and they order a higher speed service, that they would stay on that higher speed once receiving the new fiber leading. Or until they get their bill and realize they don't want to be on that speed anymore. Yep. <laughs> Unless you get a really good bill with really good service. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I I still can't get it, so, you know, whatever. (laughs) What's yours set to? Fibre to the curb or something? Where? No. We don't even have fibre at our exchange. Oh. That's a bit... (laughs) (laughs) That's a bit shite, isn't it? We're, we're, We're copper all the way to... We're copper via our local exchange, and then we're copper all the way into the Mento exchange, which is... I don't know, twenty k or twenty minutes drive. So, yeah. <laughs> so the be- I'm on about the best speed I can get. Wow. Moment. So that's that's it. But um, having said that, um, the Rowie, you know Fletcher, how fantastic he is. He claims the coalition has taken the politics out of NBN. In oh, a speech to the Comstay Summit on Tuesday, Minister for Communications Paul Fletcher, because you know he's great at that job, clearly decided if you're going to attempt to rewrite history, you might as well go the all the way. The minister began by claiming the by claiming the announcement to allow upgrading fibre to the node connections was not a backflip, and he was simply warming up. Shrewd, shrewd decision on our liberal, wow. Shrewd decisions taken by a Liberal National Government in 2013 executed upon diligently over the last seven years by the experienced board of management team at NBN Co. meant the NBN was well-placed to serve Australia during the crisis, Fletcher said, in closing. <laughs> Under the successive... I can't even read this without laughing. Under is this the written by Murdoch? <laughs> no, this is a ZDNet. This is a ZDNet article. <laughs> Under the successive communications ministers Turnbull, Fairfield and now Fletcher, we followed a con- consistent plan to take the politics out of NBN. Instead of our focus being on good operational performance, meeting customer needs and investing for the future. <laughs> there was definitely no politics involved when Turnbull said there was no point in having broadband speeds quicker than ADSL and no politics when Turnbull said one gigabit was a marketing gimmick. There was also we, absolutely... we planned it that way from the beginning. <laughs> There was also absolutely no politics involved when Field labelled a document that said Optus former HFC network was not fit for purpose as fool's gold. A year later, NBN replaced the same network with fibre to the curb technology. In a speech mentioning Labor 13 times, thank goodness no politics are involved in the NBN, Fletcher compared Labor's belief in its full-time rollout to a Soviet tractor production. These comrades are heroes of tractor production. (laughs) I can't read this. (laughs) These comrades are heroes of tractor production with extraordinary vision. Never mind that we made 80% fewer tractors than our first five-year plan promised, he said. We're going to redouble the heroic efforts of all comrades in patriotic service to the motherland and our glorious evolution. The D-Nets really glad since they here, don't they? Oh, man. Our next five-year plan will deliver so many more tractors that will prove forever that it's superior over our economic system. <laughs> oh, as a long-time NBN watcher, I'm glad politics has been removed from the issue. Imagine the silliness if it was in the mix. 
This this article is brought to you by John Deere. <laughs> it's what the, the what? It's the best written article I've read in a long time. As we're under Fletcher's purview, the Australian Communications and Media Authority said it would take it applications for apparatus licensing involving millimeter wave spectrum from 4th of November, with applications closing November 17th. Further round for the spectrum across the nations: 24.7 gig to 25.1 gig and 27 to 30 gig bands. The second application next year. After these two initial rounds of licensing allocations will be comp- uh, completed. So basically, they're just bargaining off the the bandwidth. Uh. <sighs> yeah, I know. It's lucky there's no politics in it. Eh? It'd be hilarious if there was. <laughs> <laughs> it's just no so politics. <laughs> it's all Labor's I mean, fault. No politics. <laughs> Not only this isn't going exactly the plan, right? <laughs> to pl- we planned it from the beginning and it's perfect. Uh, you can't argue with it. There's no way it could be done better by anybody on the earth. Uh, it's so funny. I, I, that's like the third time I've read it and I still can't get through it without laughing. I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's the tractors? They don't go on a super <laughs> highway. Well, they'll probably go on, a, they'll go on a Russian super highway. Have you seen their roads? Oh, everybody there has to have dash cam because... <laughs> and they're the best dash cams of the lot. <laughs> they're amazing. <laughs> oh, anyway. They piss off the Russians because they'll probably deck the you through the car roof. Yeah, probably. Anyway, it's your turn to make everyone laugh. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, actually. I can't think I can top that. Before we go any further, I meant to mention at the start of the show, I've got a new phone. Yeah. So my note. Um, although actually, I re- your um, iPhone was it? I replaced the battery in my Sam- in my Samsung Note Five. Um, you did what? And it actually replace. Worked. Yeah. Replace you, you battery. Got, you what a, are you talking about? It's a just semi. I say semi destructive. It's an incredibly destructive process because that's now what the back of my phone looks like. Yeah. <laughs> but I had to do it because I had to get some pictures and stuff off there, and I was hoping. That that's what it was, and it, yeah, it was. The battery was just that cactus that it wouldn't even let the phone turn on. Um, so I replaced it. So I've got it like a. I use it as a camera now. But Isn't that crazy? How if you've got a battery that's dead, plugging power into the power socket won't power it up because the battery's dead. It's a safety thing. Um, on my other phone, the battery on the other Note Five, we've got the battery's almost dead. Like it lasts like an hour, but yep. if you plug it in, it works fine. On this one, I think the battery actually collapsed to the point that it was. Like it was starting, to, it was starting to balloon. So, oh. if if had have left it pl- plugged in, it probably would have actually exploded, which is why they they did that on purpose. Um, but yeah, that kind so, of thing started happening to Mum's iPod Touch that I got her. They left it plugged in all the time, and it's slowly pushing the screen out. And I was like, "You need to throw this in the garbage bin. You don't want to keep this on the charger. Yeah, it's just going to explode and take out the top level of the nursing home." That's it. Um. Actually, I just got a message from Sonia too saying that, uh, do you remember that Bob made his, or Cam, my son, made his Aussie Tech Heads debut five years ago tonight? It oh. was, he was like, he was like three days old or something. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, Happy birthday, the little fella. <laughs> yeah, it was his birthday on Tuesday. Um, yeah, so I got a, um, a Xiaomi uh, Note 9, uh, Mi Note 9. Um, which brilliant is device, fantastic phone. I love it to bits. Really good. Doesn't camera. cost. Didn't cost you uh, fifteen hundred dollars. Mm. There, will two hundred and eighty bucks. I think. 
Well, it obviously couldn't be as good as a fifteen hundred dollar um, device, right? The one that doesn't come with charges. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I've been, you know, I've got some Xiaomi stuff. I've got the the Mi Band, um, the scales. I've got some other bits and pieces coming. Um, but the, yeah, this thing's great. It um, it has the quad cameras on the back, which uh, let it do forty eight megapixel. There's an ultra wide mode, which is like probably 100 degrees like really wide you could get all of me in a um, photo <laughs> it's got um uh it's got macro which works really well it does 1080p 60 frame video there are other modes but really you don't need any more than that it does slow motion it does time lapse it does lots of stuff um it's really fast uh, whether just whether you're playing games whether you're doing um uh, just apps, whether you're browsing all that stuff, like this thing is really quick. It's and it's not Huawei, so the Chinese aren't spying on you. Yeah, I'm down to um, down to 52% charge, um, but I have had this off. I haven't charged this since Monday night. I took this off the charger. Ah. I wouldn't say I'm a super heavy, but I'm probably a medium to above average user. Like I use my phone a fair bit. Um, and my this band has been off since uh, Saturday night, and I think it's still seventy. Is it? Yeah, it's still seventy-five percent. Nice. Um, so yeah, you can get you could if you're a light user, you'd easily get a week out of this. Now, the one complaint I have that almost makes me want to throw this thing across the room. The screen turns on whenever it wants to. See, off. Ah, shit. I didn't actually mean to throw it across <laughs> the room. I don't turn on ever again now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually mean to throw it across the room. So the screen's off, and now it's on. It does it by itself. So I'll turn the screen off, and it'll just go, oh, no, you actually want the screen on, don't you? Um, Mine does that in my pocket. My f- even yesterday, I found out it started dialing random numbers. Yeah, it does. I've got pocket mode turned on, so it's... I don't think pocket mode but, does anything. It's just a little tick box that actually just makes the tick appear and that's it. And so I don't understand, like, I can turn it on, obviously, like that, but yep. I just normally just, you know, it, see, just turns on. <laughs> so that's the one thing. Apparently, it's not this phone specific. It's actually an issue with the latest version of Android. It's, uh, it's actually a known issue. Um, hopefully, it, they can fix it by R. It's incredibly annoying. It's so frustrating. It just... Ugh. And then mine was when it was dialing triple O, and they're like, "Hello, should we connect you to the police or the ambulance or the fire brigade?" I'm like, "Hang up, no." It's um not too bad normally because it goes and asks you for the password, so it won't actually. I mean, it might turn the torch on because you can do the torch. Um, mine somehow slides across to emergency screen. You can do the torch on the home screen, and you can do the um camera. So sometimes it takes photos, um, but. When I've got my my band on, it unlocks because it's in proximity to the band. So it doesn't require a password. It automatically just unlocks. Uh-huh. So if I'm carrying, if I have my band and I'm carrying the phone, it'll go into the into the main part of it, and it'll who knows what. Thankfully, it hasn't caused any trouble yet. But it was in my emails earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> so but look it's fantastic um it's two yeah 200 and i think they're on sale at the moment on kogan for 280 bucks something like that yep. um they come with a five amp the charge is interesting it's for the fast charge because it's got the 25 watt 
fast charge thing, which is great because it charges from flat to full in like 40 minutes. Nice. Um, it also does reverse charge. So if you've got a friend whose phone's flat, you can charge from his phone to theirs to charge theirs up, which is really Keep good. charging. Really good. No, no. Uh, not key, actually physical connect, cable connect uh. as well. Um, which is you really like a double-ended USB-C cable or something. Yeah, basically. Uh. Um, but it's cool for the watch because this thing uses such little power that I can just plug this into the bottom of the phone and charge this in like half an hour <laughs> off my phone, and this is good for another week. So nice. it, it's handy. Um, I, I really love it. Yeah, as I said, it's fast, and the both the mobile in the four G internet part of it the 4g signal and the wi-fi signal is a lot stronger than it was on my samsung um i get sitting here i think i get nearly full signal yeah i do i get full 4g signal with this whereas on my samsung i was lucky to get one bar of 4g and it usually dropped down to three Jeez. um and driving around here i get much better signal um the for the price you know you can't complain so yeah it comes with a charger it does five amps at Five amps at five volts, one amp at like nine volts, and half an amp at twelve volts, and it uses those three in combination to do the fast charge. Apparently, um, it's yeah, it charges so quick. But um, nice. I've even the cameras. I said the cameras amazing. This the yeah, I can't complain at all. And for the price, it's absolutely you'd be crazy to buy anything else. Honestly, you you can't match. Unless you need a specific thing like, say, the Samsung Note where you've got the pen, the stylus. Yeah. I mean, you can use a stylus on this phone, but it's not specifically designed for it. But unless you have an application that's used for something like that, there's absolutely no reason. You know, the hardware's faster. Um, it, yeah, I can't I can't fault it at all other than that, that fault, which isn't its fault. That That's a, an Android issue that uh, happens on the new... Um, on the new S10 and a couple other phones, it's uh, S20 or whatever the new one is. It's happening yeah. on, on basically anything that's got a new version of Android on it. So <coughs> Maybe that's why mine's randomly turning on and stuff. Possibly, yeah. It doesn't seem to get hot either. Um, when you're playing games, like something that's graphically intense, um, like Minecraft on my old phone used to get really hot. It hardly even heats up on this one. Nice. So, and it doesn't... As I said, like the battery, uh, if you're a light user, like if you're somebody who really only uses it for phone calls and occasional like directions and stuff, you'd probably get a week out of the battery. Yep, um, yep. I easily get two days. Uh, I'd, I I think I would. I don't think you could flatten it in less than two days. Like you'd have to be on it all the time to like, yeah. Because my old phone, I used to the Samsung, even when the battery was good, I used to put it on charge overnight take it off charge and then have it on charge in the car on the way to work have it off charge at work and then by the time i'd hop in the car to come back home again it'd be down to like 10 percent. so i have to put it back on the car charger yep this thing's yeah now yeah <laughs> get three to four days out of it out of it now sweet so love it love it a bit Back to the news. TBG and Aussie Broadband want NBN Co. to take a long-term view on plan pricing and fees after the network operator floated yet another round of short-term discounts as well as the resurrection of excess bandwidth charges this week. 
NBNCO said this week it would resume excess fees for connectivity virtual circuit CVC consumption at the end of this year, ending a pandemic-related bonus that gave retail service providers up to 40% extra above February levels for free. To partially compensate, it said it would offer two months of transitional credits and bring forward plan CVC increases of 500 kilobits per second on most plans by a few months. However, the resumption of charges comes at a time when more RSPs than ever want NBN code to drop CVC fees altogether in favour of a single access charge. NBN Co. also unveiled six months of fee reductions aimed at getting more users onto the 100 megabits plans or higher, though it's unclear if customers could continue once the discount ends. TVG Telecom Group, Executive of Legal and External Affairs, Trent Zinner, said in a statement that while the bringing forward of additional CVC inclusions and additional CVC credits was welcome, this is still a short-term fix. Ultimately, a simple flat rate structure with the removal of CVC would provide retailers with long-term certainty and customers with the best possible experience when using NBN services. Aussie Broadband Manager Philip Britt said, the changes announced by NBN Co are very welcome, but we still do not believe they are enough yet to meet long-term usage trends of our customers. We'll continue to work with NBN on where we see issues and possible solutions. On the six-month upgrade discounts, Britt said Aussie Broadband would get on board in time. We're looking at full terms and conditions that NBN Co are placing on these offers, and we'll consider our position from there. They always like to consider their position. <laughs> they seem to spend a lot of time doing it. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and consider my position. Because I don't know what it it's is. It's upright currently. <laughs> now my position is horizontal. That's it. Uh, yeah, it's. Um, <laughs> I do wonder what they. Uh, and don't mess with the missionary men. But they, they, okay, you consider your position, but then what? Like, what, what's that actually mean? Like, what's the outcome Something of? Needs to be done. What's the outcome of considering your position? <laughs> you know, so. Um, Hopefully, cheaper and faster <clears throat> for everybody. Well, that's always a good theory. You can live in a dream. Somebody's dream. I don't know whose dream it is, but somebody's. <laughs> it's not mine. <laughs> um, so Aussie Broadband, we've been talking about them a while. Um, they have started finally starting work on their $1.8 million fiber optic expansion. Uh, they're building a fiber network um, to boost its fast-growing residential and business broadband operations. Stage one deployment, 20k fiber optic cable looping around the Melbourne CBD into Port Melbourne. It's already underway. Yeah. Um, Phil, I say Phil because I feel like we're on first name basis. Managing Director Phil Britt said that uh, the end goal is always improving customer experience. Uh, the purpose of this project is to transition our connectivity to NBN points of interconnect into our own fiber network, provide additional benefits such as faster capacity, improved redundancy, better ping times, etc. They're using a uh, 720 core optic fiber. Um, they're going to pick key data centers, including Interactive, Next, DCM1, Equinix, ME1, and two data centers, 530 Collins Street, and will also connect to an exhibition at Port of Melbourne, NBN, POIs. Um, they're hoping that's going to be completed by... Th um, well, they originally they said July 2020, but... They haven't updated that because I'm pretty sure that was pushed back like six months because right. everything that happened. So I think it's supposed to be like the end of this year. I think they're hoping to get it done. 
<coughs> um, basically, they're hoping to interconnect uh, 75 NBN points of interest with 24 data centers across Australia. Um, they're hoping to... Yeah, so basically, um, they've got what we call dark... There's also dark fiber, which is fiber that's been laid in the ground but hasn't been um, activated yet. Yep. They've purchased a lot of that and they're slowly rolling out, activating that. It's not just a matter of activating that, though. It's also a matter of having it go somewhere. Like, a lot of it's laid down. A lot of it is accessible, but a lot of it doesn't actually connect anywhere. So they've got to make it go somewhere because there's no point just turning it on like it is. <laughs> <laughs> you just have this fiber under the ground that's lit up and I'm not achieving anything. So it's probably not Do ideal. Do something with it. Yeah, basically. JB Hi-Fi has launched its own on-demand delivery service in Victoria. For the retailer's chief executive, skeptical the business case for the proposition will stack up once restrictions have lifted. Speaking during the Australian's e-commerce summit yesterday, JB Hi-Fi CEO Richard Murray said the business spun up like an Uber service internally because they feared the logistics system might break and staff would need new jobs to do. The attitude was that I want to keep myself, my staff employed. I would desperately do anything to keep my staff employed and getting a salary. He said uh, JB Hi-Fi currently has 75 SUVs on the road and if shoppers make an order by 2pm and use the door-to-door service, it would be there at their home by 8pm. Retail also offers three-hour rushed courier delivery service in Melbourne, Sydney, Canberra, Brisbane, Perth and Adelaide. The new store-to-door service is delivered by a HB Hi-Fi team member. For lack of traffic on Melbourne streets, the ability to find parking and make a delivery to someone at home under lockdown are all leading to really efficient delivery times. However, service levels that are possible now may not be achievable when life returns to normal. What does COVID normally look like? Suddenly you're trying to find a park in the South Melbourne in the middle of the day for the store vehicle to pull over. Uh, yeah, but like everybody's that. back on the roads, <laughs> your delivery time's going to give you a lot longer. <laughs> Pretty much. I just uh, found a flashback to episode 461. Oh, I'll show you what happens back in 461. Yes, a very special intro this week. It's got a world exclusive here on as the Aussie Tech Heads never before seen in the world premiering tonight. It's a big congratulations to Will and Sonia on their new baby, Cameron. Hello, Will. How are you doing? Live from the, the Marta Hospital, Marta Mothers in Brisbane. Not too hey, Will, bad. Will and Cameron. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. He's um, he hasn't got that for a while. Twenty-two <laughs> hours old, so. Wow, how yeah. small is he going? <laughs> yeah, three point. Uh, oh, he's probably pushing three and a half kilos at the moment. So. Yeah, right. Nice. So. <laughs> so there you go. So that was interesting. Way back when we were much younger. Yeah, it's five years ago. Five years ago, episode. One uh, place too fast, man. Episode four. Suddenly they're seventeen and. Oh, I know, right. I mean, as well, and Cameron's five going on 15, so, you know, there's... Uh... <laughs> they do, they do, they <laughs> How do you know that thing? You're too young. Oh, some of the stuff he comes out with, it's ridiculous. Yep. Oh, man. Anyway. Um, sorry, I was just distracted by that. I knew it was <laughs> a thing. Um, so, speaking of double standards, because why not? Twitter, Facebook, and Google. That to tell the Senate that the new content rules would destroy expression on the internet because they're not doing a good enough job of it by themselves, apparently. Facebook's doing fantastic. 
So the chief executives of Twitter, <coughs> excuse me, chief executives of Twitter, Facebook, and, Alpha, and Alphabet <laughs> will tell senators during a hearing on Wednesday that the proposed changes to rules governing their networks could destroy people's ability to communicate on the internet. Um, citing letters submitted by the executives, Jack Dorsey, co-founder and CEO of Twitter, is to appear Wednesday before the Senate Science Transportation Committee, blah, 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 along with Alphabet Chief Sanders Pitt. Sen, Sun, Sunda Pichai. My brain just kept saying Picard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not tired. And Facebook chief Mark Zuckerberg. Um, in written testimony submitted to the committee, Dorsey stated that proposed changes to Section 230 of the 1996 Commun- Communications Decency Act could collapse how we communicate on the internet, leaving only a small number of giant and well funded technology companies. Like themselves? You mean like the ones that are doing the job already? <laughs> anyway, testimony submitted by Zuckerberg uh, states that Section 230 is what made possible modern internet services and should be updated to make sure it's working as intended. But without it, Facebook and other companies couldn't properly moderate content. Um, where is it? So basically, the one that they're currently changing... Um, the U.S. Attorney informed the 1996 Act gives protection for companies such as Facebook by making them largely not responsible for content on their platforms but still allowing them to restrict some content. The proposed changes that changing the language governing when on service provides should restrict content, the changes would remove the term otherwise objectionable and instead use the term unlawful or promotes terrorism. <laughs> So what they're saying is, um, but this is the thing, like this uh, unlawful, but unlawful in what country? Unlawful mm. in the country that the people are posting it in, or unlawful in the country that the servers hosted on? Or the one that the people are reading from? Yeah, like it's dumb. All they're doing, I mean, they've managed, they're just destroying them. I mean, it's not like Twitter and Facebook need a reason to censor people. They're doing perfectly good all by themselves. <laughs> um, Is he who's been in Facebook jail? Yeah, well, yeah, that happens. That happens. <laughs> Only because I posted a photo that millions of other people have post- posted, not one person got in trouble for it. And I one did. Yeah, well, okay. One person got in trouble for it. <laughs> I've since posted it again. And the thing was, it was from like a five-year-old post. It's not <laughs> like it was even a recent thing. How dare you, sir? Uh, anyway, no, she hasn't come out Stop this bringing year. up the past. Maybe that was it. Yeah, I know, right? It's Facebook's job. Remember this thing that happened to you four years ago that you'd rather forget? <laughs> Why don't you share it with everyone again? No, no, I'm good, thanks. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't know. Here's do? something you might like about SpaceX. SpaceX. SpaceX is offering its Starlink broadband satellite internet service to test users for $99 US, which is $138.75 Australian a month, plus US $499 for a setup kit, according to mails seen by Reuters. Elon Musk's space company is pushing to offer faster internet speeds to rural customers with otherwise limited options. People in US states like Washington, Wisconsin, and Idaho who sign up to test Starlink Internet received invitations from SpaceX Monday night to join its better-than-nothing beta test. SpaceX did not respond to a request for comment. 
They've launched to uh, SpaceX has launched to orbit more than 800 satellites of the several thousand needed to offer broadband internet globally. A US $10 billion investment, it estimates, could generate $30 billion annually to help fund Musk's interplanetary rocket programs dubbed Starship. The Starlink beta program comes as rivals like OneWeb, OneWeb the collapsed satellite operator OneWeb. rescued OneWeb. OneWeb. rescued by the British government, OneWeb India's rescued. party group. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so stuck and, in my head now. And Jeff Bezos's Amazon AMZN.O set out to offer their own broadband satellite networks. As you can tell from the title, we are trying to lower your initial expectations, read the email. That's why it's called the better than nothing beta. Expect to see data speeds vary from 50 megabits to, per second to 150 and latency from 20 milliseconds to 40 milliseconds over the next several months as we enhance the Starlink system. There'll also be brief periods of no connectivity at all. One user spoken to paid $578 US for the Starlink kit, including shipping and handling, and cited a SpaceX note saying that they can send everything back for a 75% refund if they're unhappy with the service. I mean, the only way you'd be unhappy with the service is if you're coming from a fixed gigabit <laughs> connection. Like... It's really fast ping time. Yeah, and I mean, let's face it, 40 minutes. In which case, why are you beta testing something at satellite? Yeah, I mean, 40 milliseconds is not a, a, bad, a bad ping at all. Like, it's that's perfectly acceptable. And that's the maximum. It'll probably be around 20. Yeah, exactly. Which is pretty much what everybody mostly gets. At least on this side of the planet. Well, that's it. Um... Let's see what I have left. Um, data breaches. Data breaches. What have you got data in your breaches for, Mister T? <laughs> data breaches. Um, data breaches. Upping ATOs. Fraud. Red flags. <clears throat> so this is a complicated story, but basically. What they've been doing, especially since the whole COVID thing started, was there's been a lot more uh, people trying to hack the ATO client and get other people's identities so they can get their $10,000 super and all that sort of stuff that's going on. Um, so they've created a bot effectively that if it suspects something's wrong, it throws up a flag and they investigate to see if it actually is you or if it's a fraud. So. Uh. It's, uh, this this particular story um, is the opposite of what you think. It's actually not. Um, it's actually not data breaches that have occurred. They're actually managing to prevent data breaches. Oh, nice! Which doesn't it's happen. It's a nice often. change for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're going to try the other side. <laughs> we've had all the breaches. We've tried all that. That was fun. Now we're going to try stopping them and see what that does. Pretty much, and that's basically what they're saying. Um, they had. So in the six months spanning January to June, for, uh, hang on, uh, sorry. Last report, Australian revealed the total number of reported breaches in Australia for the year 2019-2020 financial year was 1,050. For the six months spanning January to June 2020, 518 were notified under the scheme and 124 of those occurred during May, the most reported in any calendar month since the scheme began. So that's what this bot's picked up. Um, 
So, yeah, they seems to be doing a not-too-bad job. Uh, I mean, it's completely irrelevant for people like me because my online, my gov thing, yeah. I literally have to reset it every time I visit it. <laughs> so it resets everything every time oh. I visit it because um, it's just the Australian government website. But uh, so this would this would actually probably most likely flag me as spam because the last login details I'm going to have in my case are going to be entirely different to the new ones I have to create to log back in again. So it's most likely going to flag it. So we'll see what happens. But yeah. It's it's interesting to see them actually being proactive about people trying to steal money instead of I mean, well they don't care they still get money out of it either way it doesn't matter but <laughs> they're trying they're they're trying to get pe- trying to be fussy about uh, getting them to stop stealing other people's money there we go the change yeah <laughs> they don't mind if, they don't mind if they steal it they just don't want anybody else stealing it yeah no competition man <laughs> and I don't have the um. I don't have the story because I closed it by mistake, but the I can't remember how many of the um, COVID tracing apps in, in all up with everything combined, how many installations there are and how many yep. people are doing it. There's been, but since they've been using it and since it's been activated, there's been 17 confirmed traces. After all that. <laughs> and I, I noticed, I think it was... I think I read a story that if you got the latest iPhone update, it disables your tracker yeah, on like, your phone, so like you have default. to re-enable it again. Same as the Google one. So just think of that. If you're like, oh, yeah, got that tracing going on, I'll know when them little bugs are around. <laughs> well, you don't, because it turned itself off again. Yeah. So not a bad thing. <laughs> Mine's not on. No. <laughs> no. Um, you got any more? or? If- that's it for me. One quick one, and this is nice quickie to finish off. So, the... <laughs> yeah, go on, finish that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> um, this this affects well, this affects at least these two hosts here. I don't know about anybody else, but uh, Microsoft says starting next week, all next starting next week of the first week of next year. <laughs> So starting next year, all Minecraft Java Edition users will have a Microsoft account to play. Have to have a Microsoft account to play. So basically, <coughs> um, it's if you've got the Bedrock Edition, you don't need it for whatever reason. But they've decided if you're running the Java Edition, um, you have to have a Xbox account effectively. So they started off with a Minecraft.net account. Yeah. And then that got ported to a Mojang account. And now that's going to become a Microsoft Xbox gaming account. But the stupid part is if you've got an Xbox, you've got the Java edition, the Bedrock edition, because you don't have the Java edition. But the Bedrock edition, you don't need to have the account for only the Java edition. <laughs> huh? So they want, they want you to, I think you get um, the Xbox login and game stuff on Windows 10 now. You can use the the. That's what they're going to force you to use, obviously. But if you well, you can't use it all the time because the like it's not compatible with the Java edition. So if you want to play on servers online, that let's lock you into Realms. Is that what they're saying? If you if you want to play something that's not Realms, you have to use the Java edition. Mm. Um, 
So I don't. But still, what I'm saying here is you'll have you'll have to migrate the Mojong 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 Mojong. Mojong. Mojong Isn't that something? Austin Powers lost his. I've lost me Mojong. <laughs> Mr. Powers. Um. You have to migrate their Mojang account to a Microsoft account. All players who use Mojo, Mojang account, <laughs> shut up, or legacy Minecraft account to play Minecraft Java Edition will need to integrate to a Microsoft account in order c- to continue playing Java Edition. Um, but it doesn't... For the users on Java, means migrating off their existing account. Keep all your settings and skins. Well, and that's what I'm just trying to find. They don't say anything about that. It looks like they're going to close the Mojang. Apparently, the uh, shift is for the purpose of safety and security. We've decided to move oh. away from legacy accounts to better protect our players, increase overall account security, and introduce new safety features because we can't do this with legacy accounts. We made the decision to use Microsoft accounts instead of building new ones from scratch. The biggest added benefit to migrating your account is the option to enable two-factor authentication. Oh, please don't. More account security. All Minecraft accounts are connected. Parents can have more control for the safety of their child and chat and invitation blocking. There's parental lock. they They say Microsoft account, but they're not saying what Microsoft account. Because I have a Microsoft... Um, like email account, but I don't know if they. I don't have an Xbox. Like, do they want you to have probably a live <laughs> account? Yeah, yeah. John's just saying they want all Java guys to pay fifty pounds per year for Xbox Gold. Yeah, pretty much. That's kind of what to be able to play Minecraft. <laughs> like, Remember back in the day when all these crack copies of Minecraft were around because you didn't have to pay for them and the servers would allow my crack copies? Well, guess what's going to happen offline. again? <laughs> yeah. They're going to turn authorization off and go nuts, guys. That's what's going to happen. But, but I was just reading now, how much would you pay? Just wait. For those who are migrating Myojang Studios, we'll give you a bonus, a cape. Huh? Now you'll get that Xbox Gold account because you'll get a cape. Which, if, right. you wear, if you wear Elytra, you don't see the cape anyway. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> I think I blew John's mind now. A cape! Why didn't I think of that? Know, oh, like, my God. Quick, let's go buy it now. That's, it's that's, not sold. <laughs> that's worth 50 bucks a year, I'm sure. Seriously. Uh, good on you. This is what happens when you let Microsoft touch things. (laughs) They leave it go for a while and everybody's happy and stuff, but still in the back of your mind, you're like, they're going to do something. They're going to do something. And then, bam, they hit you with it. Well, they've just spent a heap of money on R&D. How to destroy everybody's love of Minecraft. They've just spent a heap of money on the R&D to do this bloody Cabins and Caves or update or whatever it's called, Hills and Caves or whatever it is. Oh, I don't know that one. The new one that's coming out like end of the month or start of next month. So I guess they're trying to get their money back because... The number of players hasn't dropped off, but the number of new accounts is slowing down. Yeah. So I guess they're trying to get some money back somehow. I don't know. Yeah, I, John says next they'll force you onto Bedrock and well, that's, drop support for Java. That I mean, that was always the intent, which I don't mind. But the problem, the reason they're still running Java is because you can run servers on it. You're not locked into the realms. 
at the moment there's no option to do that on bedrock you have to run a realm and the mod packs and stuff yeah they still don't have a good api i don't think that you can (laughs) redo all your mod packs for so we might have to stop playing minecraft next year (laughs) (laughs) might have to actually grow up and you'll have to come into our fishing game (laughs) yeah yeah just play Uh, I haven't played in a while either because Dutchy is bouncing through servers, killing off maybe <coughs> all the time for the XP, and I can't get on half of them. So I sit here coding, uh, porting Commodore 64, Game & Watch games to Commodore 64, and we talk while he's busy fishing and killing whales. <laughs> I, uh, I I spend most of my time um, on Skyblocks at the moment. Ah, we well, won't be able to, so... Yeah, wah, wah. I know, right? <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. Episode 700, we Yay! did it, everybody! Now we can have a rest. It's the end, isn't it? we got nothing else to talk about. Too bad if I do. You already started the outro, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, finish the show. We've done 700 episodes. Uh, all well, we yeah, I mean, you know, you got to run it. That every, was in my contract. Every good thing comes to an end, I suppose. <laughs> This show's broadcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash aussietechheads, twitter.com slash aussietechheads, youtube.com slash aussietechheads, and now also at patreon.com slash aussietechheads. Sign up for $4 a month, $10 a month, or from several other tiers. See the site for details. Thanks to everyone who has. And coffee.com, ko-fi.com slash aussietechheads. Make a one-off donation of any size. Email us, Glenn, Will at Warlock at AussieTechHeads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on AussieTechRadio.com. 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows are added each Friday. See you next time. Bye. Bye, everybody. See ya.